All right, welcome back, everyone, to Blue Collar Startup. I'm your co-host, still the co-host, yeah. Mike Nelson, here with our host and visionary founder, Derek Foster. What's up, Derek? Hey, Mike. How are you? I am well. Good. Uh, you're going to notice a little bit of different audio quality. We've got uh, five people in the room. Full house today. Full house, yeah, on uh, three microphones. So it might be just a little bit different than it normally sounds, everybody. So thank you for your patience. Uh, Blue Collar Startup, each episode we sit down with blue collar owners, managers, staffers, you know, you name it, laborers, whoever we can that can give us a little bit of insight into the day-to-day workings of their blue collar business and also to help educate and empower the next generation of those people. So uh, we're ready to get started here. We're here with Hunt Companies. Is it HC? I'm looking at your logo. It's HCI, right? Hunt yes. Companies Incorporated. Incorporated. And we're here with Juan, Jason, and Matt. Yep. We're not going to use their last names to protect their, you know, anonymity. <laughs> 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 uh, guys, go ahead. Uh, you know, it, Juan, let's start with you, and we'll just kind of work through all three of you guys. Just kind of give us a little, you know, quick rundown on, on who you are and, and kind of what you do uh, at Hunt Companies. Sure, I'm the Chief Financial Officer. I've uh, been that uh, since I retired from the Navy back at the end of 2014. And, uh, Thank you for you know, your service. Yeah, my really vision is can looking six months out, a year out, five years out, ten years out. That's basically what I do. So if you go by my office and I ignore you, my mind's <laughs> six months out. Uh, really, the everybody ignores me. Juan, so. Yeah. So you know the challenges of six months. Okay, we we know yep. we've got work probably till March. Okay, so what happens if we got a three or six month slowdown financially? How much you know? Money do we put in motion? How much money do we have to save for a rainy day? That's really what I do, balance sheet, profit and loss. Um, been at a construction company for almost nine years, and I'm proof that just because you work at a construction company doesn't make you a carpenter. <laughs> I like to remind everybody that, okay? I can drink your beer, but I can't fix a toilet. So. All right, all right. But, it, you know, it works because, you know, as we've talked about in the past, our father-in-law did it all, and it really put a ton of Eight, you know, years on his life uh, took away actually yeah. quite a bit, and it was purposely put three of us to can separate parts of the business where I've handled the finance and admin, Jason's operations, and Amy as the president, and that has really worked well to keep us being able to really excel on all parts of the business because I, I think a small business you need both the headquarters vision as well as the execution and operations in order to sustain a small business, especially in today's environment. There's one, no way one person can do it all now. Yeah, and it it's really is different kinds of people, right? Like I, I look, you know, like I'm more of a vision guy and, and I, I can see where I want to go, and but I, I don't know how to get there most of the time, and I need that operations person to really, you know, make sure that it happens. And I'm in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you've got an amazing yeah. uh, uh, operations guy now. Yeah. Uh, integrator. Two episodes ago. Two episodes, yeah. 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 Uh, Eric. Eric, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. great. He's a veteran too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nine years. And, and again, and you said, so you guys are second generation, right? So it was Jason's father, your father-in-law, right, that yep. uh, started the business? Yep. I'm curious a little bit about the backstory with all that. Like, how, how did Hunt Companies originally start with your dad? Oh, originally started. So I think uh, he's always been in the construction industry of some sort. And in 86, started Hunt Companies. Did mostly residential work like anybody would. Odds jobs here and there. And then uh, just slowly grew people and I think uh, I'm not exactly sure how it started as far as 
the he, McDonald's. He was um, so there used to be a McDonald's in Queensbury. So if you remember that, you've been here a while. McDonald's. I actually don't think I remember that. And uh, he uh, he was working next to it. GC that on the McDonald's project asked for his help. He jumped in, and like usually, what happens with new customers, the GC stubbed their tolls, then they went directly to him mm-hmm. to work directly with corporate McDonald's, and that took off the twenty plus or twenty five plus year yeah. story wow. of how he worked with McDonald's. Talk about yeah. an opportunity. Yeah, Seizing right. An opportunity. And yeah. a well-seized one, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, because now it's mm-hmm. it's McDonald's, Taco Bell's. Like Now, are they kind of like all through – I don't know if, how that works. Like are they like all owned by the same company at the end of the day? Or? No. Okay. No. So they're all franchises, right? So yeah. McDonald's is just McDonald's. So um, Taco Bell heard about how great you guys were and uh, called you guys up? More or less. Yeah. I mean, I mean really, <laughs> yeah, that's it's awesome. a lot of word of mouth type stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, you just get those opportunities. And, you know, I think my father did a good job of, of communicating with these operators, with corporate, and uh, developing a good relationship. And that, that travels pretty far, pretty yeah. fast. Communication's huge. Yeah. Or we, we, we actually just had a, an incident yesterday with where some poor communication happened. That happens. It did. It does. And it, it was, uh, it was, it was on both sides, you know, like we, we all accepted responsibility and, and we, and we kissed and made up, but it was, it literally was just bad communication. Client said something. We took it the wrong way. We acted and we went in the wrong direction with what he said. We did the opposite of what he asked. Okay. He, he, he said, don't do this. We did it. Right. And, uh, and then, um, and then coming back on the other side when we were trying to fix it, it was just, it was a mess and we, we fixed it, but yeah, good, good communication is important. Um, so what, tell us about your, your day to day. So you're the operations guy. Juan's the finance guy. Yep. You're the operations guy. What so, does that look like? The part owner now, right. Me and my sister are now owners, um, and vice president. And I don't know if there's an official title. We'll call it director of operations. Yeah, How's that? That sounds great. Um, so basically I control, you know, the day-to-day of the schedule of the guys. Um, I do all the estimating for all the projects. Um, we do have a maintenance and repair division, so I'll schedule crews for that. I mean, it's a little bit of everything. Like any business owner does, multiple hats, right? Wear yeah. multiple hats and uh, do a little bit of everything. So I still like to get out in the field too, so. I don't like to put down my hammer quite yet. So you can drink the beer and you can do the work. Is that yes. right? <laughs> yes. And at the same time. At the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's practice. That's right. That's right. Um, and you guys are Ar- Argyle, right? Out of Argyle, yep. yeah. Are you from Argyle? So I grew up in Argyle. So I'm going to say this. I'm originally from Western New York. Okay. Born there. That's where all my family's from. Yeah. Uh, we moved out here when I was in second grade. So. Okay. So, yeah, raised in Argyle. Raised in Argyle, yep. yeah. I love Argyle, man. It's a great town. It is. It is. And now you can buy beer in Argyle. And now you can buy beer in Argyle, yes. Yeah. For those of you listening that don't know, Argyle until, like, was it two years ago? Yeah. Uh, was a dry town. One of the one of the last anywhere, I think, I think in the yeah, country. Anywhere. Yeah. For real. But it was always, uh, it was just kind of a cool thing. And then interesting that Argyle Brewing Company yep. was actually had to be based outside of Argyle. Yep. But now you guys got a brewery up there. Now there's a brewery. Scotlander. Yeah. Scotlander, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right? They just took that over. I forget what it was called before. Highlander. Highlander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it any good? I haven't been up there yet. Another Argyle resident. Yeah. You're another Argyle guy? Good. It's yeah. a great town, man. So, um, so let's jump over to the map. Matt, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. What are you doing every day? What's your role in the company? Why are you the future? <laughs> 
Uh, well, <laughs> I, uh, I started in November um, okay. with these guys, and uh, I was, I've always done uh, residential, you know, probably for 15 years, I would say. Mm-hmm. So the commercial was kind of new for me. Um, but they hired me on as a working foreman and quickly, you know, now I'm going to be taking on this Dunkin' Donuts job. So you site super there. Um, but I, I really do enjoy it. The commercial side of it was a little learning curve for me. We were just talking about this yesterday, but I'm starting to grasp the changes. I mean, it's pretty similar to residential, but, uh, there's there's differences for sure. What, tell us about some of those. So if someone's yeah. listening, because you know I know that we have people that listen that are only doing residential right now. Maybe at some point they want to jump into into sure. commercial. Um, what, why is it such a different animal, or what what's the challenges about the transition there? It's uh it's not really I wouldn't say it's really like a challenge. It's more of just uh, language. Um, definitely the pace. You know the pace increases for sure. I mean you're getting a building done in what three four months compared to a house that's. You know, 9, 10, 11 yeah. months, depending on what you're doing, the size of it. Um, but, I mean, you're dealing with commercial kitchens now. You're dealing with different building materials, um, stuff like that, you know. Um, crews are, are the crews larger? Is that why one of the reasons why, like, do you go with bigger crews to get it worked on faster? Or? I don't necessarily think it's bigger crews. I think uh, probably the challenge there is, you have more crews, more subs on site at one time right. okay. than you, you would yep. residentially. So okay. there's a lot to handle. <laughs> yeah. A lot of coordination. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with, what a residential side of it, you're dealing with framers and uh, plumbers, electricians. And um, here you're dealing with the same thing, but you're also dealing with pavers, asphalt guys, landscapers, um, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you're juggling that, and they're all doing it at the same time. So, like, once somebody can get in the building, they all want to be in the building to get in and out. So, yeah. you know, the pace is definitely more. Yeah, I imagine, uh, you know, like you said, like Dunkin' Donuts, like, they want to get it open, right? So, yeah. they're probably, you know, I, I just think of, like, a jockey whipping a horse kind of thing, you know? Like, Pretty come much. on, we got to get to the finish line, man, as <laughs> right. quick as we can, right? Yep. Um, which creates a lot of pressure, I'm yeah. sure. So, when I jumped on with them, um, within a couple months, we were starting the – Popeyes, um, which we wrapped up just recently, but that was a start to finish for me. So yeah, I learned the ropes pretty quick. So, but no, I do enjoy it. I like I said, I did residential for, I still do it, but mm-hmm. for, you know, fifteen years or so, and uh, it's just a different pace. Yeah, and a little more travel. You know, obviously you got to go where work is. Yeah. Now, do you guys do more than one job at one time, or is it is it typically kind of roll out that you're on one job at one time? The record is seven major projects during Christmas, um, was it 2019 to 2020? I think so. I think it was that. Seven. Seven. During the holiday. During the holiday. So this was either a new or rebuild and a major reconstruction project. I think back in 2017 and 18, we tried having one superintendent run two projects at the same time. Uh, that, That worked, but it just drank. I mean, they're, you know, you really stretched the team. Yeah. We prefer to be in what? I mean, two to three major projects at one time. Two is ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't put as much stress on the crew and the yeah. people in the office. But uh, yeah, two two major projects is good. I mean, I, I imagine it's got to be a lot. 
right? You, you know, between trying to arrange materials yeah. with all the shipping and supply chain problems that yeah. we've been having and then your labor force uh, and, yeah. you know, just the whole, <laughs> right? Making sure everybody's where they're supposed to be and on time and then... Or even there. Or, right. <laughs> One of the major challenges we had was these two new builds that we're going into now were offset by 30 days and it would have been perfect because you're taking one subcontractor mm -hmm. finishing rolling right into the next and, you, and you've got this really smooth transition and can use a smaller group to finish both then permitting issues happen and now yep. we're kind of stacked on top of each other yeah. so we really we're going to have a two week we, offset <laughs> we, yeah reevaluating can we use the same subs or should we go buy get some other folks and so those those are the challenges that happen and with permitting, you yeah. know, really, that, especially the last couple of weeks of the permitting, that's really an interesting challenge for us, well, especially since post-COVID, where they're, you know, basically going back to the pre-COVID rules, but only half staffed. Right. With less people, yeah. Yes. It's amazing how COVID showed us all that we could do a, a lot more with a lot less, I feel like. I, I know, like, even now, we're almost, almost back at our pre-COVID levels business-wise, and we've got half the amount of people. Yep. And I'm just, I'm still marveled that, uh, I was like, man, we were really sitting pretty fat before, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm like, how are we doing almost the same amount of work with half the people? But, um, of course we do, you know, tire our team out a little bit. But. Right. You do more work. We, we are still missing quite a few people though. I mean, there's still the labor shortage. I mean, you, you know, it, oh. it yeah, uh, what does that look like for you guys? You know, having to turn these projects over so quickly. I mean, do you have a lot of in-house staff that so typically use? We've got, ideally, we sit about 12 in-house, okay. you know, crew members. Um, right now, we're at about 9 or 10. So, you know, we're still a little light to where we'd like to be. A lot of subcontractor yeah. work. Um, but even the subcontractors are, are light mm -hmm. on manpower. So... Every time we ask a sub to step up and get something done, they're saying the same thing that we're telling, mm -hmm. you know, our customer. So it, yeah. it, it's a trickle down effect, and it doesn't. It's not getting any better. So I, <clears throat> right now, there's two two problems. I think one is just people wanting to go back to work. So trying to find people to work, and then the other one is trying to find people in the trade that are skilled. Mm -hmm. So right now, we're kind of reaching out outside the skilled trade area to find people that just want to work. We'll train you right. to do the work. Um, so it's really, it's, it, the problem's twofold and looking to tackle both of those. Where is everybody? Yeah. I know we keep asking that question. Right? Where is everybody? <laughs> yeah. Where'd they go? Same question. Where'd everybody go? So we're still not in the same environment that we were in 2019. Mm -hmm. Student loans haven't restarted. They're just now starting to do checks and balances with some of the, uh, the state and, and federal uh, funding that they push out to people that do need them. And so we're, I think we're still a year and away from really people that will have to work. And, and if you look at all the banks, you know, all the fancy uh, quarterly uh, statements that they send out, a lot of the deposits that they call excess deposits due to COVID are virtually all gone now. So mm -hmm. one more year, I'm very confident. And if you look at who's coming back, it is those folks in the prime age of working that are starting to come back. And yeah. I, 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 again, our, our, our country's population is getting smaller. And 
And so at some point, we're just going to have less workers if we don't open up the door for immigration and other measures. But I, I think we, if we just hold on for another year, I think yeah, things will get better. But it really comes down to leadership. That's what it is. Yeah. So I call Matt the future, Jason's the future, because if you got the leaders, that will offset labor challenges. We'll bring in technology to help a little bit, we'll, you know, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. But uh, you, you get a leader that can solve problems, you, you're, you're ahead of the game. And that, I think for our company where we want, we've got the operation leaders where we need, and we've got the people in the headquarters, the leadership teams. Now we just need some of the support. For and now developing the support staff, yeah. So what does that training look like for somebody new coming on board with you guys? What does the training look like? How long is that training period? Is it a constant process? It, I think it's a constant process. So, I mean, we offer um, outside training. So we'll send people to BOCES for, okay. you know, if they want to take the carpentry class or the uh, electrical welding. Mm-hmm. We do touch all of those aspects in our field. Um, but primarily, I think it's all in-house training on the job, in the field. Um, in the winter times, slow month or whatever, we will do training, specific training in our warehouse We've done some sheetrocking and framing and stuff like that just to get people more familiar with it. Um, you know, you take a new carpenter, pair him up with a, a seasoned carpenter, and like all of us came up through, it's, it's learned by experience, mm-hmm. and it's really what you need. And We do work pretty close with BOCES as far as, you know, we, we've had interns that we try to get in and out into the field and help them and, and show them kind of what they can expect and try to get them to like it in, yeah. in a matter of two hours, four hours a week. It's just tough. But, uh, you know, we have an in with the, I don't know what they call the class over at Bosey's. Is it, is it construction or is it? I, they have, um, Bruce yeah. Yeah. Cause we had Bruce, Bruce Hoffman came on the show and, uh, and Tarina, Dr. Tarina Parker also yeah. came on the show talking about the different programs they have over there. And, and I was, I was fascinated by the fact that they have the adult classes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I thought that was great. Like I actually, I, I keep saying I want to go do the welding class. I just really so, want to know well, but uh, actually I'm on a committee that, uh, does scholarships. We hand out scholarships for the adult learning at BOCES. Oh yeah. So, yeah. you know, people looking to get into any, any of those trade programs, truck driving, uh, welding, anything, there's scholarships out there to do that stuff. It's really just getting the message out, I guess, right? Like, yeah. I, you know, I, I have to imagine there are people that are out there that want to acquire those skills. Absolutely. You know? I mean, I, you're seeing people that are transitioning from jobs, corporate jobs that are a little longer. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and trying to find something else at, at our age, adult age. Yeah. And, you have to go back to school to, to get some of this training. So, I know it's tough for for people that are our age. Um, that's in quotes because Matt lo- <laughs> Matt looks quite a bit younger than the rest of us. But uh, you know, I, I just I was thinking about because I was also thinking about the way that we hire because right now, like our modus operandi is to hire young kids out of college because they're inexpensive, and then we help to train them yep. and bring them along, right? And that's kind of what we do. And yep. um, but at the same time, what that means is for an, an older aging 
workforce, someone like myself, it, you know, like it's hard for us to hire those people because their salary expectations and compensation expectations are so much higher. Right. And we just can't, <laughs> yeah. we can't afford it. Like I couldn't afford to hire me. Like if, if I walked in my door and was like, Hey, I want to come sell for you. I'd be like, sweet dude, I, I cannot afford to pay you what you're about to tell me you want to get paid. <laughs> you know, like how does commission only sound? <laughs> so like, it's, <laughs> you know, like it's just, uh, it's, I think it's great from the trade standpoint of being able to say, hey, like you can go out and I mean, because what are welders getting paid right now? You know what I mean? Like what it was, what's a finished carpenter making right now? Like that's good money. It can be. Yeah, it can be really good money. Yeah. Whereas, you know, trying to go into like a company like ours, like, yeah, we're not gonna be able to pay you anything. Like, yeah. And we're going to insult you with what we're going to say we can pay it. So, like, you know, sorry, everybody. The, the trouble is we've got, you know, it's an aging workforce, right? So mm-hmm. all of our skilled, highly skilled carpenters are they're aging out in the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, and there's really no, there's really not much of a middle ground there. You've got very few, you know, Matt's one of them that are, you know, that prime age that have the skill sets to do the work. And right. The, the older guys don't want to train the younger guys. They just don't, <laughs> but they don't want to take the time, mm-hmm. whether they want to get compensated to do the training. Um, so you're trying to get the guys that are at the prime age to be able to do the job, to also train the younger guys mm-hmm. that come in. It's, it's a tough balance, but it, if you don't get the younger guys and kids coming out of high school interested in it, yeah, you're not going to find them. You're not going to come. And we know they're going to jump jobs. We know that yep. we're going to lose them in two or three years. And we're okay with that. Yeah. Because what we're really doing is setting up the next company that they're going to. We're going to bring them in. We're going to give them teamwork skills. We're going to give them carpenter skills. And they're going to rebel like teenagers do. And and But they're going to learn a little bit. Yeah. And they're going to go to a second job. And we've had many of our younger folks go to second jobs in construction, a third and fourth. And, and had some come back. We've had yeah. plenty come back and say, okay, I've experienced it. Yes, I was getting a little bit more, you know, doing a lot more work. And, and this, you know, this is this is actually really good. And I think that's kind of the expectation is we're going to train them. We're going to give them every skill and opportunity. We're going to try to make the benefits as best as they can and the culture as best as they can. So they want to come back or they want to stay. And those that do leave, we're, we're setting up the next company to have a good teammate. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we live by. And that's what we've been doing for, for years now. So. You know, you bring up culture and, and I know Derek and I talk yeah. a lot about culture and, and Derek, especially uh, in his company has done a ton uh, working on the culture over the years and really then using that culture to hire and fire and, and, yeah. and grow. I, I'm just curious about like, what are you guys doing from a culture standpoint? Or I mean, like, do you have specific things in place or is it just, just your, just the way that you are or what, what can you tell us about that? Sure. I got this. No, really. We, we do have specifics. core values. Yes. Um, we definitely have, you know, vision mm-hmm. in where we want to be as a company and individual. And, and, it, and it comes down to can we give the team more than what, they, you know, they should be getting? Can we be above, you know, because it's a global world, you know. Our mm-hmm. kids that are growing up in high school now have opportunities to go to school, not just SUNY Adirondack, but across the United States and across the world. So in, and in your industry, especially it's you're, you're, you know, somebody can live in Argyle and work out of New York city. So they're getting New York city pay mm-hmm. and a little bit less 
um, for a construction you know company where they have to swing the hammer in order to make progress, but we still have to compete with Albany, and we know that. And so we build our company around the ability to provide it starts really with the pay and benefits, base mm-hmm. pay and then benefits and continue to increase those benefits as often as possible. Then you just have to care about them in in ways more so that not that they're your kids, but they're somebody that you really care about and that you want to see them succeed. So there's other things that we do and and you know, whether it's being company loans, whether it's financial, whether it's moral support, whether it's you know, going above and beyond so they can buy the first house and you can see the joy in their kids' face when they say, I've never lived in a house before and this is the first time. Small thing, victories like that. And you're going to get burned and, it, and it's okay. But you really put them first and you, and you put them always. You know, the Navy said mission first, sailors always. It's really kind of, we brought that same philosophy to the company where we've got to, if we can't accomplish the mission, none of us are going to be able to run the company and the company's not going to be able to be here, but we can always take care of the people always. And that's kind of what we do. That's awesome. Yeah. How, what do you do to kind of make sure that that goes from the top down from a day-to-day basis, you know, like coming down, like, like from, from you guys where you're, you know, you, you're living that, you believe it and then getting it down to say Matt on the supervisor level and then down into the, the, you know, the, the laborers and the carpenters and the, you know, like, do you have anything that you put in place to kind of help, get those messages all throughout the company? I think it's in our actions. Yeah. You, you can't say it. You know, you can put a core values on, stick it on the wall. Yeah. You know, <laughs> motivational posters, stick them on the wall. We've got that. We've got, we got all. Yeah. But you really, you're, right? When um, Amy and I and our son Ethan are marching in the Argyle Parade um, for the Legion mm-hmm. and in the banner, Matt's there with his kids marching two people, two groups down with the kids in the youth sports. And, yep. and, and so you have to live it. This is why between Amy, Jason, and I, I think we're on eight to nine community boards. Yeah. Um, because we, when if one of our core Which values is, is community, values. community, we have to show the team. And we've had other employees who wanted to join community boards. And mm-hmm. yes, you go join. Make sure you mark your time because that's how companies is paying you for that time. And go, go represent yourself and your community and how companies well. And so it's definitely like Jason said, short version is your actions day to day. Yeah. So community being one of the core values, like so we sit on boards, we give back, you know, we try to be charitable, give to organizations that we believe in, but we also ask our employees the same thing, whether it's a monetary uh, donation to, uh, I don't even know, to somebody, some organization, or if it's a time thing, we've done it before mm-hmm. where we, you know, donated our time to, uh, improve an office space for them. Um, we work with Habitat for Humanity and give them six days this holiday season. Uh, yep. Catch up on their Glens Falls project so they can not only get caught up but get a little bit ahead so mm-hmm. they can have that family in the spring. Yes, that's day. right. So it, it was two weeks right between Christmas and New Year's. We uh, we took a crew of guys to the Habitat house. We did a bunch of work for them. Now we donated our time. Mm-hmm. We paid our guys to be there. Yeah, and. They know that they're getting paid, but they also know that this was a donation. So everybody was happy to be there. It was a different pace of work. Everybody got to have a little more fun, enjoy the time together. And I think that was that was pretty big. That's fun. And we take our we do a lot of uh, charity golf events, and we bring our team in. 
Those are wonderful days. Yeah. <laughs> you, you go golfer. Who's the best golfer out of three? Oh, Lord. He's not here. Everybody's looking around. Uh, <laughs> I can swing a baseball bat pretty good. <laughs> if that tells you about my golf game. Oh. But that's another one where, you know, usually the charity golf events, and we'll take, you know, through the, I don't know, eight that we do a year, we'll take the team members with us to each one of them. And so everybody gets to go. They get experience. One, the charitable part of it, the having some fun with the guys outside of work. They usually see people they know from work, from different companies. Mm-hmm. And you get to spend some time away from that environment. And again, it's 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 paid for them, so it, there's no stress. You know, that I'm missing a day of work type of deal. It's right. Building that community. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know. Well, it's funny because that's originally... Um, I, I didn't meet Juan and Amy, but they... I can't remember. I know you guys were nominated for one of the small business awards, or I don't know if it's small business, but it was one of the from the the chamber business award ceremony last yeah. year. And I think Amy got up and was just talking about the community and about the importance of you know small communities and being involved. And uh, and I immediately I was like, I want to talk to these guys. And then I I connected with I think the chamber somebody connected me to you guys, and we brought you on the Buy and Local podcast. But it, a lot, of it, but again, it was just based around community because we're the same way like you know community is also one of our core values as a company and we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make our local communities better and stronger and uh so i thought that was amazing and you guys definitely every time i turn around i see you guys doing something that is supporting whether it's supporting glens falls today like you do by you know Placing an ad that's not even for yourself; it's for other people's businesses. That was which supposed is, to be a secret. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know, but it's just it was when when they when they told me that when Kate told me that I was like, these guys are amazing, right? Like you really do live that community vibe. So I, I just I think it's great. I think it's amazing, uh, and that's one small piece of the many things that I've seen personally that you guys do in the community. So I think it's great, absolutely great. I think it's important to give back, right? The community gives so much to us, even though we work outside the community. Mm-hmm. It's the community gives so much to us and the growth and the place to do the business and the place to raise our kids. Yeah. You got to give back. Yeah. It's how you change the world, man. Yes. Right. Start at home. Yep. So, uh, so it sounds like just like a lot of people, right. And I know we've got, uh, Doug Ford is coming on. Yep. Um, from Kurt, next week, I believe. Is it next week? I think so. From, do you guys know Doug from uh, Curtis Lumber? And he's involved with the uh, workforce development initiatives that they have because, again, everybody's feeling right. that. You know, it's a huge, huge topic in, in all the trades right now is where where is everybody? Where is all the workers? Sorry. Um, what, what other kind of challenges do you see as an organization outside of the, the workforce? And So right now, workforce um, – Man, supply chain is still a big issue. Yeah. Um, you know, and part of that supply chain is still it involves the workforce, right? So we're running into this with these last couple jobs we just did, the jobs we're starting now, um, materials, items, um, you know, air conditioning units, HVAC units, 30 weeks out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it doesn't work in a 12-week project. <laughs> And you find out what what's the delay in these things. It used to be they're a dime a dozen, and now it's you can't get any, they can't get anybody to produce the the machines. The, they can't get the parts from overseas. It's yeah, again, it's trickle down effect, but it's there's still a lot of you know lead time issues with with materials, special specialty materials. 
nuts. Do you, th- do you think with everything that's going on in the world, like, you know, we've got the whole Taiwan situation, we've got uh, the Ukraine-Russia situation, like, we have all these things going on overseas, like, do you, th- do you see it getting progressively worse from a supply chain? You know, like I, like I read an article about Russia's getting ready to use warships to blockade Ukraine <laughs> with the wheat stuff, you know, so I'm just like, wow, man, like, do, like, do you see the supply chain stuff getting better, getting worse, or just it's just going to continue to be a who the hell knows what's going to happen next? He's the forecaster. Yeah. I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. Yeah. Well, if the cost of lending stays high, which it will for at least another 10, and then start to gradually slow down 10 months, um, that should help slow things down because now, you know, they're a bit more restrictive of who gets money for construction. But there's mm-hmm. so much money on the table for construction that you're still weeding through that money. Yeah. It, the question is, can we have enough of these plants or manufacturing plants in the United States to where issues overseas do not impact us like they are now. So, you know, the game plan was to manufacture, you know, five years ago, manufacture overseas. It worked. Look at the supply chains working great. Everybody's doing well. All of a sudden you've seen these major worldwide disruptions and, you know, it'd be nice to have some of these manufacturing plants back in the United States. Yes. Is it going to cost more? Probably it's already costing yeah, more. But I mean, look at what it's costing us now. So, yeah. so it's you know we have to start building in the United States manufacturing plants that will give us some some you know relief from issues in you know Asia issues in Europe. Yeah, and I think that's really the key. And hopefully we're not too far behind the power curve where that's happening. Right, we got we got the farm you know wheat issues in, in from Ukraine should probably not be affecting the United States if we've got this many farmers that could be helping us out and, and you know, running support to the farms that were, I think, have been neglected for so long that we, we've got to throw our entire, that's another community that I think that, need, you know, can use as much community help as possible. The farming the farmer, community? The farming oh, my God, community. yeah. Yes. Well, the, and again, I I mean, if, if you listen to anything that I say, everyone knows I'm not a big fan of government involvement in anything, but... Um, <laughs> Well, you know, we, we just kind of keep screwing over the, the farmers, right? Like, we yeah. just did the, the labor laws that we just changed on those guys to, you know, for the overtime rules. Yes. On like, it just we're just making it harder and harder on them. And now we're trying to place more pressure on what chemical inputs they can use to help grow. Uh, you know, fuel costs. Fuel costs. Yeah. Like, we just, you know, keep making it harder and harder on those guys. And as someone who's – I'm growing my first batch of wheat this year. And I can <laughs> tell you, that shit ain't easy, man. <laughs> okay? So, like – Holy moly. It's, I don't know uh, if they realize that you know, we don't eat. <laughs> Nothing else above that matters. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. The whole no farms, no food thing. Yeah. And no food. Uh, right. That's going to have an effect on everything pretty quickly. So, yeah, it's. I agree with you 100%. I, we definitely need to. I think we need to do more to help our farmers. I think we need to do. I mean, again, I'll get on my soapbox and start doing <laughs> stuff. But I'm with you, though, man. It's. I, I hope that they do create an, an environment that is. Uh, enticing for manufacturers to come back to the U.S. Yes, and start absolutely. start building stuff here. Uh, that's crazy. So supply chain. Yeah, supply chain's big. Cost of goods, another one I just mentioned, right? Cost yeah. cost skyrocketed a couple years ago, um, probably tripled. They still have not come back down to where they were pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, just got a letter earlier this week, concrete up another 5% here yeah. going into the next quarter. So, you know, price increases are still happening. Yeah, it's crazy. If fuel surcharges are still going up, you know, gas prices did come down a little bit. Fuel surcharges still going up on everything. 
now we're getting delivery charges on stuff we never got delivery charges yeah. on before, which is crazy. Um, material costs are, I mean, those fluctuate so much, but they still haven't come down. How, how do you react to that, or how do you deal with that situation when you're, you know, you're building a Taco Bell or a Dunkin' Donuts or a McDonald's, and all of a sudden your costs go way up? Like, so, I, again, luckily, relationships, right? Exactly. Our relationships yeah. with all of our partners, um, Taco Bell, McDonald's, they're so good because um, we had this exact scenario play out where we we're in the middle or beginning stages of a build, and then material prices tripled. So yeah. All of a sudden, listen. We went to we went to our uh, customers that the price for this material tripled. They could have turned around and said, "Well, here your estimate was this." That, sorry, but no, they said, "Give us give us your price. If you have the receipts to back it up, send those, and we'll make it good." And they did. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And it wasn't just you know it wasn't just one customer; it was multiple customers, and they've been really good. Yeah, that's got to be a tough snare. I remember during COVID, we put a pool in, and uh, Mike Sprague, over Sprague's over and uh, give Mike a shout out. And his team did a great job. Um, but like he, we had signed our contract in 2019 for a 2020 build, not obviously not knowing that a pandemic was going to hit. And he was just like, "Wow, you guys are really lucky that he's like the cost would have been like 40 percent more." You know what I mean? Like, and and but he had to have some of those conversations with people that were talking to him about a pool, and then. All of a sudden, like, hey, yep, <laughs> you know, uh, it's that's a tough conversation, and amazing that those guys were just like, yeah, hey, if your costs went up, let us know, we'll make it good. That's- yeah, I mean, obviously, they wanted proof, right? It wasn't just we'll take your word for it. I mean, but they did, and they, they made us right. Yeah, it says a lot about you guys as a, a you know, their builder, you know. Yeah, how they look at it. Yeah, how they look at the relationship. Yeah, Absolutely. where they're like, we don't want to lose you guys. Whereas right. a lot of companies out there would be like, hey, sorry, man. No, the one that quickly popped in my head was the one that was almost six digits in material price increases. And once he, he called our president, Amy, and, and his quote, the quote was, I don't like this, but I know it's correct. So you, you, you're getting paid. And, wow. And that relationships have. Saved us on many occasions, and we, we, we go overboard with helping out customers. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get a little flack for it, but it's okay because, I mean, we've had customers in one fast food industry or one, you know, one yeah. one construction department in a company, you know, six years later go to a, be a part of a different company, and we're getting a cold call. Hey, uh, so-and-so from this company remembers you guys. We need a general contractor for this area. And within two months, we're you know we're, we've we've won a new build for them at you know seven seven figures and plus, and it's just their relationships are, are so vital. That's gonna feel pretty good, <laughs> you know, to get calls like that based on yeah. It, uh, again, a relationship with customers, relationships with our architects, our engineers, suppliers. I mean, all these guys mm-hmm. are we're we're getting calls from different people and finding out that it was you know an engineer we worked with that. Gave us the recommend or gave that gave them the recommendation, mm-hmm. and uh, it's fantastic. What do you, What do you think? You know, for someone listening, like what What's the key to forming those relationships? Like, uh, you know, what What do you do that gives you such a solid relationship with your customers and people that you're working with? I think it's, it's multiple things, right? It's communication. So having the open communication and being honest with them, for one, right? No BS. Um, 
I don't want to say giving them what they want because you can't always do that. But mm -hmm. we do in times bend over backwards to, to do that. Um, and part of the honesty is, is even right down to the estimate is, you know, we're not price gouging here. We're, they know we need to make money. Mm -hmm. We know they need to do it as cheap as they can. And, and we try to do what we can to, to make both sides, you know, happy. Mm -hmm. They don't ever feel like you're trying to take advantage of them. Right. Or, or take advantage of their relationship, which I which I know that happens. Yes. People do it all the time. Yep. It's unfortunate. Yeah, the key is not max profit on every job. Mm -hmm. That's really way down on the <laughs> list of things. that, and, and it's a great, you know, when you're having a beer at the bar, that's a great way to run a company. But when you're really running a company, you've got to save the relationships. It's got to be relationships over profits any day of the week because those relationships have opened so many doors for oh, us yep. the last decade. Mm -hmm. It is ridiculous. And, we, and we've had to say goodbye to a few customers because the relationship didn't matter. And for us, that it matters. And we've you know, thanked them for their service and to the time. And we said, uh, we just won't be working together again. So I'm writing that down. Lon. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I'm writing that down. Relationships over profit. I just like that a lot. The profit will come, right? I mean, yeah. the profit oh, comes. Yeah. You, yeah. When you have customers, and it, it's not just our you know, franchise customers, it's, it's any customer, you, you're probably going to have repeat business. But specifically with franchises, how many McDonald's are in New York, right? I mean, yeah. there's a ton. Yeah. So you know there's work out there, and you're not going to ruin that relationship with that customer over one project. One situation, yeah. yeah. When there's yeah. 20 more behind it, it's... How many Google McDonald's search. are there in New York? You think, oh, you think there's hundreds? Search. Decades? Yeah. <laughs> well, I never really thought about it. Like, yeah, yeah. owner in, uh, yes. in the world. In the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, I, I think Incredible. McDonald's is like, I always talk about and think about McDonald's because I'm like, what, what, what industry do you think McDonald's is in? I ask people that question. They're like, oh, well, they're in the hamburger business. I'm like, are they? <laughs> or are they in the real estate real business? Estate. Or are they in the supply chain business? Because they are the ones that supply every one of those franchises. And I just think it's such a great model that you like, you build a product and then you, you build the demand for the product. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like, and so that whole model just fascinates me. I'm like, man, that is amazing to me. Right? Like, right. they just, their, their distribution centers just crank out food to their, every one of their locations. And it's like, and they make money on every end of it. Yes. yes. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I am not in an industry where we can do that. You know who else I love that's like that too are the tree guys. They yes. come in, right? <laughs> they come in, they cut down the tree for you, and they're like, hey, do you, you, want us to, uh, you want us to take care of those branches? Like, yeah, could you do that? Yeah, yeah, we'll chip them up a little extra. Yeah, no big deal. Chip them up. Do you want those chips? No, uh, no, I don't want those chips. So then, well, a little extra, but you can pay us to haul them out of here. <laughs> and then you do, and then they haul them back to their yard, and then they sell the wood chips yeah. to somebody else. Yeah. I'm like, man, these guys are amazing. Like, this is... Or the logs for firewood. Yeah, man, you know, like, it's just that there is every way, every step through that process, they have a another outlet uh, for, the, for the waste that they're creating. It's just, it's amazing. You do the same thing on the farm. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. You know, grow the wheat, make the wheat into beer, sell the beer, give the waste wheat to the pigs and the and the sheep and the chickens. And we're, we're getting there. Mm -hmm. We're getting there slowly and surely. 
It's a lot more work than I anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> but there's beer. Right? But there's beer. That's so, you know. Actually, there's cider right now. I just did a couple batches of cider, so... Uh, guys, I know we're getting uh, short on time, and I'm super grateful for you guys all come, taking time off and coming down here and, and talking with us and uh, trying to help uh, other blue-collar business owners and tradesmen. Okay. And I got one final question. Um, so for an 18-year-old kid in high school or just thinking about going to college, what advice would you give them if they're thinking about getting into the trades? Where should they start? So I'm in this situation right now, so I've got a 17-year-old, and uh, it's it's – Right. What, that's the big question is, is it college? Is it trades? What is it? And mm-hmm. I think the big question to ask the kid is, what do you like to do? Because ultimately, if, if they're a person that wants, they like to work with their hands, they like to see mm-hmm. immediate results, um, then the trades is, is a good spot for you, whatever trade that might be, because it's a physical task. You have to work with your hands. You get to be productive and build something that you can, that's tangible. You can see it. End of the day, end of the week, you can see the result. Um, and I think that's really the tantalizing part of construction, right, is to see what you've done at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I just built this thing, and it, it was nothing before. Now look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fascinates people, and that's, I think, what drew you know, me into it. I would like, you know, most people that like to build, that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where you got to start is, is what do they like? If you want to build your hands, if you want to see results – it's, it's really endless. I mean, in our organization, you can come in as a laborer, but I, and I might be biased, but I don't think there's a ceiling. You know, there, as you age, you become more seasoned, more skilled. You uh, progress through, you know, your carpenter levels. Um, you become master carpenters. At that point, you know, you can become foreman and a supervisor. Now you're running jobs. So now you get to the administrative side of the project, as well as still be able to build and see results, and then as you age, you know, there's, there's project management, there's estimating, there's there's so many things, avenues that still keep you involved in construction, um, but as obviously, as everybody ages, you can't do construction forever. So to stay, be able to stay in, in that field somehow, I think there's, there's still avenues and opportunities. Yeah, well, I would imagine the more people that you have that are at that level also allows from a scalability standpoint for business, yeah. right? Because now these are people that can now be leaders in your organization and allows you to, you know, grow grow horizontally, not just vertically, right, in the organization. And, you know, so it's not a dead-end job. You yeah. Know, that's, mm-hmm. I think yeah. people look at, you know, blue-collar as in it's a, you know, you can work from here to here. It's a short window to work in. And mm-hmm. You're going to age out and you're going to beat yourself up and that can happen. And it does happen, but there is growth. So Yeah, if you're in the right organization yeah. and the people that are leading your organization know how to grow and scale, there's really no end in sight, right? You're only limited by the amount of talent that you can recruit. Add in leadership and management training, which we provide as well, and, you know, we really sky's the limit. Yeah, it's awesome. In my opinion, I would say, I would say do both. You know, do the college, try a trade in the summertime, you know, as a summer job, because, I mean, my kids are young. My oldest is five, turned six, and he's always right next to me. He wants to, because I, I do a lot of self-taught things. You know, mm-hmm. I work on dirt bikes and build carpentry and stuff like that. So he's always following me around. He wants to build stuff all the time. It's awesome. But, you know, the feeling of being able to just do things yourself is, is awesome. But also you're doing the school part of it. 
to learn leadership and learn yep. the admin side of it too and not just swinging a hammer so you don't like you said phase yourself out kind of thing so um i definitely recommend both for sure Not yeah i mean that's kind of like that's what derek did that is went to college right. and <laughs> swung a hammer uh, yeah. when he wasn't in school and then launched dangle cleaning after college i mean yeah. it's it's exactly it yeah. it's awesome so how can people get in touch with you yeah where can they find you do you want them to find you <laughs> so we yeah we definitely want workers to find us uh you know we we as much as, <laughs> much as we as much as we're involved in the community we do it because we love the community we, mm-hmm. we, we one of the things we, we caution is that we don't like to be the company that, that says no because after mcdonald's Taco Bell, popeyes valvoline we're always talking to stewards um duncan um government work and you know one or two other customers it's hard to put other stuff, but we've done we've done pole barns in Washington County, so uh, so you know if you're gonna call us, you know just do it with a smile and know that just it gets very busy very quick for us. And huntcompanies.net or on Facebook, if you, Hunt Companies in Argyle, uh, there's another Hunt Companies in Texas that we usually get confused with, but that, that would be it. And if we have some great videos on our website, huntcompanies.net, a hiring video to for you to see what we're, we're about if you're looking for a job. And that video is on our Facebook page as well, and, and, and it tells you exactly what we are and who we're looking for and what you can expect once you uh, walk through that door looking for an application. So did that awesome. video with the local uh, media company, Gazai Media, uh, uh, oh, yeah. two years ago, and uh, it's been on our... Yeah, Sean group. and Corey, right? Yeah, yeah those guys are great, great man. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great guys for sure. And they just did the... The video for the chamber too yeah, for the uh, the Jucket yes, Awards, yeah, yeah, did a great job on that. Absolutely, good dudes for sure. Well, guys, thanks again for uh, coming again. Well, I can't can't say us. thank you enough and for coming on the show and just everything you do in the community and uh, it's great. So, thanks again and please tell Amy uh, we're sorry that she couldn't be here with you guys, but uh, well, she can come next time when you have us back. <laughs> okay, yeah, that sounds great, <laughs> man. That sounds great. And uh, everybody, if you can check us out, uh, bluecollarstartup.io. Uh, you can find all of our episodes on there, and also we've got our Blue Collar Blueprints where we're adding some, and I think we're going to try to get some more content up there soon. It's it's a free uh, membership, guys. It gives you a bunch of extra content uh, from Blue Collar business owners and workers and also people outside of the industry talking about different stuff. So uh, that can be helpful to you uh, in your day-to-day. So give it a, give it a look, check it out, and uh, you'll hear from us next time. Thanks, everybody.